Welcome to True Story, a podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. I'm Ivona Remundová. Hello, dear listeners. This is Ivona Remundová in True Story again. And today I would like to welcome here in our podcast space Tomáš Krupa. Hello, Tomáš. Hi to everybody who is listening. First question, how did the story of your film Good Death begin for you personally? It might be uh, disappointing to you, but there is no uh, personal story or experience behind it. Honestly, I experienced death in my family once, but it was not the starting point for the film at all. Death can be a very delicate topic, but we don't know what is after death, what comes after death. And we can only speculate and uh, imagine uh, what it could be like. And as a filmmaker, I'm not interested in the discussion about death and infinity. What is uh, really interesting to me is talking about life, because that's what we have in our hands, right? Or at least I believe in it. So talking about death is uh, interesting when it helps us to see life from a different perspective. And the topic of euthanasia especially is challenging and controversial because the main question is if we own our life or does it own us? And I think that was the main reason why I decided to get in this environment and create a film about it. And I'm always curious to what extent we are able to take fate into our own hands. And I want to believe there is no fate but uh, what we make for ourselves. And one more thing that led me to this uh, was another question. What is a good life? And uh, I'm the person who is seeking uh, the answer all the time. And I think the meaning of uh, good death is always connected with the question, what is a good life? I have walked many years in this city. I have kept faith and fast. Until two years ago, I was able to care for myself and home. I now need help in getting out of bed and find it hard to get up from a chair. Therefore, I request your help with voluntary assisted death. When we think about death in the present, we would like to think about it as something peaceful, without pain and suffering. Best scenario would be falling asleep and not waking up, putting it down simply. And it is always changing through the history of mankind, but uh, also it's a very different for uh, each individual. Now, for example, in my case, when it comes to my time, I would like to be at peace, be happy with uh, what I achieved, be satisfied with the way I lived my life and mainly have no regrets. What was your biggest dilemma at the very beginning of the filming? This is a really hard uh, question because uh, it's some time since I finished uh, the film. So um, now I have to uh, recall my uh, memories. But uh, at the beginning, it was a puzzle to put all my ideas and uh, ideas uh, for the characters together. I was um, I was interested in people who have jobs close to death, grave digger, medical examiner, 
makeup artists in the funeral services, firemen, etc. And I expected that uh, they can know better what the good life means because they are so close to the finiteness of life, right? So I did some uh, research to find these kind of people and uh, visited them for a short interview and asked them if they would be willing to uh, you know, uh, get involved in this kind of film. And one of the possible characters uh, from my puzzle was a manager in the company dedicated to the voluntary assisted dying. And that was super interesting. He's a, a Slovak working for a German company. And that, there is a story behind uh, it. And uh, it's, uh, it's too long. Uh, I will make it shorter. But I realized I cannot just put it in the film altogether, you know, topic of euthanasia with the other topics or people related to different uh, environments. So um, euthanasia is such a controversial and complex topic. It needs a separate film. I felt it at the beginning, but I was kind of a stubborn that um, I didn't want to make a film about euthanasia, to be honest. No, um, I was trying to avoid it because I couldn't imagine the film uh, with talking heads and my imagination was somehow limited at the time to uh, you know, uh, see the film in a different perspective, like uh, have a personal story about some, or, or about uh, someone who is uh, you know, um, willing to uh, voluntarily die. Uh, so it was um, a dilemma to give up one of the best stories or follow only one and drop the others. But uh, at the end, uh, I did it. We did it. Uh, we decided to make a film about euthanasia only and um, drop uh, the other ideas I, I had uh, at the beginning that you know shaped my intentions to make a film like this. At the end, you chose Janet, your main character, amazing woman, and uh, she decided to let you take the camera in the most difficult moments in her life and gave you the great confidence in how you handle the material at the end. Uh, did you talk about the film with her? Did she have any suggestion for you? How should you make the final version? Actually, um, no, she didn't care how she looks like in the film. And maybe it's strange, but uh, she just couldn't influence anyhow the final film because she was already gone, you know. But she fully trusted me to work with the material. As I saw uh, fit and uh, she never wanted to change anything or give me suggestion to make changes during the filming. Neither her children, Simon and Bridget, who has been involved in the filming. In this term, we were lucky as a film crew. And on the film set, we worked together in a very natural way. Just imagine that our first meeting with Janet in real, after some online correspondence, was in her bedroom. She waited for us in a bed, in pyjama, wearing a pyjama. And it was morning, all right? But uh, look, uh, it's a space that is too personal for everybody. Um, not especially, but for me, uh, for sure. Uh, I do not invite uh, any visit uh, in my bedroom. You're right, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, so uh, I thought so. So she set up our relationship in uh, full trust from the very beginning. And I think this scene is a good example. So um, each day uh, she just asked what we want to do 
what we need for a film. And she was waiting for suggestions. Uh, sometimes she uh, suggested she can invite somebody for the discussion and people who were coming into her house fully trusted her. So almost everybody were supportive, even they had a difficult opinion towards her decision. And we talked very soon about her personal motivation with Janet, why she wants to make a film at this delicate stage of her life. You know, that's, uh, I wouldn't do this. I would do uh, a lot of things uh, if I would be in such situation, but for sure I wouldn't invite cameras into my uh, life. So uh, back to her motivation, uh, she replied, if she affected only one person in the world, whole world who uh, struggles the same, it would make her happy as uh, she made a difference, even if uh, just for one person. So simple as that, but that's very strong. And I think that uh, describes her personality very well. She was not selfish. Tomáš Krupa is a producer and director, holder of the Slovak National Film Award Sun in a Net for the best documentary in 2020. In 2009, he graduated in film documentary production from the Academy of Arts in Banská Bystrica in Slovakia. In 2012, he directed and co-produced his feature debut, Graduates, Freedom is Not Free. In 2013, Tomáš Krupa founded the film production company Hailstone with the focus of the production of independent documentary films. His latest film, Good Death, is the result of an international co-production with France, Germany, Austria and the Czech Republic and was selected to 21 international film festivals and won awards at seven of them. Your film was created as a co-production of Slovak Republic, Czech Republic, Austria and France. What was it like to work in such internationally diverse team? Was there tension? Was there help? What was it like? I know that it looks like um, working in an international team might be interesting, but uh, I think I was <laughs> somehow lucky because all of the you know, co-producers from Austria and uh, France uh, get involved uh, in a later stage. And I am a type of a director who, uh, during filming, uh, collect uh, raw material with uh, which I work in an editing room later. And yes, I have some uh, concept and direction, but for me, the final film starts uh, taking shape with the editing process. So during the post-production stage, we were mostly on our own and the co-producers uh, get involved in a later stage and help us to find the final shape, which uh, was uh, fortunate for me because uh, I feel like a, you know, a small child in an editing room. I can play and I'm open to uh, ideas and I like to see when uh, you put uh, shots together and building a scene or uh, putting the scenes differently on the timeline so you can see how it works together in a different um, structure. So I really like this kind of magic in the editing room and I experienced a very good collaboration with uh, Austrian co-producer Arash Riahi who I met at Doc Incubator workshop dedicated to the film in uh, post-production. It's a Czech uh, workshop. 
and I recommend it uh, to all filmmakers who uh, would like to find some help in a stage of rough cut uh, to improve the film in the final form and make it as best as it can be. With your film, you also participated in the East Silver Market activity run by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. Did this activity help you? Would you uh, recommend it also to your colleagues filmmakers? I think for producers of documentary films, it's perfect help for festival strategy, for building festival strategy and uh, finding a proper distribution. There is so many film festivals in the world and you cannot make a film for all the festivals, you know, you know but you can make a film that will find its uh, festival uh, platforms. And people from East Silver Market knows the focus of festivals and its selectors what kind of countries, genres and topics they are specialized for. So it doesn't mean that they fulfilled the strategy for 100%. You never know in advance the mystery behind selection process. But I would recommend uh, to find more about East Silver Market if you haven't heard about it. And my experience is uh, very positive. Yeah, um, just find out more and uh, send uh, a film and... Yeah, it's a good tool. It's a good help. Where can people watch your film now? Film is still in a festival around. The film uh, had a world premiere two years ago. So um, I'm super happy that we still uh, are receiving official selections from uh, film festivals. And in the summer season, people in Brazil, Ecuador, Greece, Iraq and Moldavia can uh, watch the film online or physically, it depends uh, on the sanitary situation in uh, these countries. And um, if you are from Slovakia or from uh, Czech Republic, you can watch the film online because the distribution uh, is already over. And I think Czech television and Slovak television already uh, broadcasted uh, the film in national premiere. Uh, you can see also the film on the online platform, Ta Films. Dot sk or cz just find the films via google and um, i think the film is also available via aerofilms online platform in czech republic and first-hand films is doing world uh, sales so hopefully people in many countries will have a chance to watch the film in television or online platforms and if you are from the film festival and um, and you are interested uh, in this topic, uh, you can get in contact uh, with us, with me directly as a major producer, and we would be happy to support the festival and to present the film to your audience. True Story is a documentary podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film. You can find news from the world of film on all the common platforms, such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, as well as on docweb.net. Let's look at the present now. We are filming this interview in July 2021 after a horrible year of COVID pandemics all around the world. How did this time affect your work? <laughs> of course, um, I can feel uh, some impact of this strange um, situation in in the world on my work, especially because of current sanitary regulations in many countries. Before COVID pandemic, uh, I started to develop my new full-length film. And the production is divided into several locations in different parts of the world. And there was no problem except availability of financial sources to get anywhere you want. And uh, suddenly you just can't. 
So, of course, it affected my uh, work and my intentions to make another film. So what we have done so far was developing local contacts in the countries of interest and preparing for the first film crew expeditions there in the near future. And fortunately, thanks to all modern technologies and internet, the world gets smaller. And it's not a problem to find people in southern city in Greenland, for example, and get in contact with them. So uh, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I'm really glad that uh, I, I live now. I just couldn't imagine that I would be a filmmaker several decades ago without digital technologies and internet. So I feel very lucky despite yeah, there are a lot of challenging issues you know, we have to uh, face in our lives. But on the other hand, we use the time for uh, finding another finances and sources to make this uh, globe-throating film happen. So it was a year and a half of very good preparation. And I personally used the time as a director for improving the concept, artistic approach, treatment and defining what I want and how to achieve it. So right now, um, I don't want to say I'm not the kind of person that, you know, for all costs would like to find something good uh, on, um, you know, when some bad things happened. But um, I'm, I'm glad that I had the time to rethink my intentions. And now I feel more uh, self-confident in the term of what I want to do in my next film. So enough of time is always good for the film. But it's really bad if you don't have enough of time. I, I believe that you can see the, uh, in the films that were done in a short time or short term. Just be careful not to uh, prolonging uh, your thinking and preparation too much. It's also bad. You have to find a balance. And can you tell us what your next film is going to be about or it's still a secret? No, it's not a secret uh, at this stage. We are in a late development and I think it's always good you know, to not make secrets, uh, especially in the industry environment. Even if your ideas are not excellent, but you can see if your ideas can work and if you can find a support. So I have no problem to talk about uh, initial ideas. This is not an initial idea because, as I said, we are in a late development. Um, my intention is to make a... Um, a full-length documentary uh, related to climate change. And um, I'm trying to make a little bit different uh, film with different point of view towards the you know um, climate change issues. I think life or world we live in will not end, but uh, will change. And the transformation uh, will be retrogressive in many ways. And um, the fear of the future can mobilize only a very limited percentage of people. And the others need a, a clear offer of um, solutions and examples for action. And therefore, I'd like to make a film that will encourage people that they will survive. And I have decided the effects of uh, heat, drought, desertification and flooding uh, are the main environments that uh, we address in our project. And these are the four dominant symptoms of global climate change. And the world has four 
cardinal directions. And therefore, we have decided to follow uh, four stories pointing in each direction. However, my next film is not about you know scientific nature of global warming. We are definitely going to avoid talking about ecology and, and science. It's a film about uh, what global warming means for our way of life on this um, planet. And the mosaic montage or puzzle enables the viewer to look at several places into the lives of several characters. So it's a documentary driven by human stories. And um, I think the ability to adapt to new, more difficult conditions is the main topic of uh, my upcoming film. So I believe it will be the key principle for the continuation of civilization in the future to adapt. And uh, I believe this is the most original idea of the project and stands out a bit from uh, other documentary projects related to the climate change topic. Tomáš, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, listening. And good luck. This was Tomáš Krupa. Thank you for listening to True Story, a podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. We will be back with you soon. 